You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. You guys enjoy family pictures. Okay, all right. So see, uh, I'm gonna be honest, right? So if you invite me over to your house, if I'm coming over for the first time, here's what you can expect. I'll come in, I'll ask you, shoes on, shoes off. And then we kind of wander in, right? And inevitably, I like to find myself at the family pictures, all right? And we all have them, right? And so I just like, I usually find myself standing at your refrigerator, looking at your pictures and your magnets, looking at your mantle. I just love looking at people's pictures. And you see, what's funny is my mom, she, uh, she's a little over 60. She's like 61, something like that. We stopped counting after 25. That's what she told me. And uh, my mom has one family picture. She has one picture of her childhood. How many of you guys have, like, only a handful of pictures of your childhood, right? My mom's 60. I was like, Mom, you have family videos? She's like, videos didn't exist, you know? Uh, and then myself, I don't have one picture. I'm born in the 90s, kid, all right? I'm young and hip. I have a shoebox of pictures. All right, so we got a shoebox, and there's my pictures of the marching band and the football team, and I got a shoebox. My kids, they have more pictures last month of their entire life than I've had for like generations. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are our kids gonna be like when they get like, instead of pulling out photo albums of their childhood, they're like, hey, here's this terabyte. This was like 2012, you know? Here's another terabyte. This was last year. It's just, I have no idea what's gonna be happening to this generation because there are so many pictures, but we love them and they're great. Some of you guys, you look back at your pictures and you're like, that was just awkward. How many of you guys had that awkward family photo? Yes. How many of you guys have ever tried to recreate your awkward family photo? Me neither. No. Yeah, no. My wife, though, her family, so my wife, she's one of five kids. Her parents were campus pastors and they were like classic early 90s with bright blue jeans that were super baggy. Actually, it's kind of like what you would see today. They're coming back in style, you know? But they had this one picture where all of the kids were like holding onto their parents' legs and, and they were holding the baby, and so they recreated that in their 20s, you know? It's like, I'm 30 years old, hold on to my father's leg. You gotta see it, trust me. It's funny, I promise. Family photos, they can be awkward, they can be sentimental. Uh, how many of you guys, you, you live with your child every day or you live with your spouse every day and you don't see the imperceptible growth and transformation? But then you walk over to the family photo album and you're like, whoa, I remember that guy. I remember that hairline. I remember that waistline. Oh, snap, remember? Family photos, they are great. They help us to remember. They help us to see the growth. You look at the pictures, and every single person in this room, we look, and we all go, man, time flies, right? Time flies. This morning, friends, I want us to look at some pictures. We're in a series called 1,000. We're looking at pictures of the church because a picture is worth 1,000 words. But this morning, I don't want us to look at pictures of our present. I want us to look back to our family photo album. I want us to look, I want us to go to the mantle, not in your personal home, not your individual picture place. I want us to go to our collective photo album. I want us to look back on pictures of the church. Our collective past, our collective awkward family photos. 
So that's what we're going to do for the next few moments this morning as we turn in Ephesians chapter 2 to verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. We're looking at the family photo album, friends, because it is good to remember. It's good to look back. It's good to remember where we've come from. It's good. This is just making me awkward. And you guys literally found my high school pictures and put them up here. This is, man, that's, this is real life interaction here. This is, uh, this is good. This is great. It's good to remember. It's good to look back, to remember where we've come from, to remember how far we have come. And so are you with me this morning? Can we remember together? Church, you got to remember. you got to remember, man. And again, when you look back, you realize how many things are coming back into vogue. I'm still, still so confused about the mullet movement. <laughs> what? What is happening? Right? You look back to photos, and here's, here's what really gets me. You go, man, I was so awkward. How come nobody told me? Never see that, right? And then here's what makes it worse. Right now, your future self is looking back at your picture right now in the moment. And they're going, ew. You just can't escape it, man. It's good to remember. Do you guys want to remember this morning? All right, let's check it out. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. This is our family photo album. Look what it says. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let's pause there. There is a lot happening in our passage. This is a densely, tightly woven argument here in the book of Ephesians. But I want, you, I want you to notice one thing. There is only one command. There is only one call to action. There is a single imperative here for my grammar nerds, right? And here's what the command is. It's simply remember. The only command. That's the only call to action for it. Remember. What are we to remember? Remember the separation that defined our past. Remember the separation that defined our past. You see, friends, the older we get, the easier it is to forget what it was like to be young, right? And so that's why this is powerful. You come over there and you're looking at these pictures and you're like, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the hairline again. Oh yeah, you remember. And Paul says, yes, it's easy to forget what it was like to be young, but as Christians, we cannot forget what it was like before we came to Jesus. We cannot forget what life used to be like, and so he calls us to remember. He says, remember that at one time, dot, dot, dot. Remember there was a time, remember there was a moment in your life where you were, dot, dot, dot. And here's what happens here. He gives us four family pictures. Four family pictures that we can look back and we can go, oh, I remember. I remember. So let's look at those pictures together here, right? He says that there's one time, and I want you to remember this. Not because he wants us to be nostalgic. He's not calling us to remember these pictures because he wants us to be overly sentimental. He wants us to remember what we used to be like in our past because that's going to shape and inform how we live in our present, okay? That's where we're going, we'll get there, but for now, what does he want us to remember? Look at these pictures. The first picture, he says, remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. So this is our first picture here. We used to be, when we look at the family album, oh man, look at that, guys, remember that? Remember us? 
We used to be separated from Christ. Remember, like we, when we create, when we have faith in Jesus, Jesus moves into our life. He is with us. He is near to us. I can talk to Jesus. He is with me. His spirit is inside of me. I am so close to Jesus. But it wasn't always so. I used to be separated from Jesus. Remember that, guys? Man, look what else he says here. He says, remember that you used to be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. The second picture here we see, oh man, that is just, somebody should have told her. Somebody should have told her. But the second picture we see is that we used to be alienated. We used to be alienated from the people of God. So you have to remember, in the audience, as this letter is being read, there were Jews, but there were mostly Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. And so the Jews, they're over here in the room, and they have a rich heritage and history. I mean, they have always been the people of God, and they've always had God, and their parents were taught by their parents, who were taught by their parents, the richness of God's goodness. That's their heritage, but not the Gentiles. Not the Gentiles. They were not members of this community. They did not belong there. God's people were their people. That wasn't our story. We weren't citizens. We were aliens and outsiders, not cool with those people. Do you guys remember that? Remember what it used to be like to be alienated from the people of God. Look at the next picture here. He says, remember that you used to be strangers to the covenants of promise. And so there's Daniel Fuoco. That's beautiful, buddy. But there it is. We used to be strangers. Oh, my goodness. Look at that picture, guys. Do you remember that? This is very similar to the previous picture, but strangers is literally foreigners. Let me put it in a vernacular for today. We were like refugees. We're in the community. We're near to the community, but we were not of it. We didn't have the rights and the privileges and the perks of participation as citizens. God's people are here, and we're on the outside as foreigners and refugees. We just didn't belong. It was like we were speaking a different language, and the culture and the language and the way of life and all of those things were so foreign to us because we were strangers, aliens, refugees. But here's the final picture, guys. The final picture. What a summary statement. He says, remember that you had no hope and were without God in the world. Do you remember? Do you remember what it was like, friends, that season of life where we had nothing to rely on for our peace and security? Do you remember? Do you remember what it was like when we had nothing in our life that we knew for sure would never leave us or forsake us? Do you remember what it was like when we had no idea what awaited us on the other side of eternity? Do you remember what it was like when we were without God and apart from his family? Without hope? Do you remember, friends, we need to remember. Y'all need to remember. We need to remember the separation that defined our past. Do you remember? You see what happens, friends, some of you guys have been Christians for so long that it's been a while since you've come over here and looked at the family photos. Some of us have been Christians for so long that we don't even like to remember. We don't like to go back and reflect on what we used to be because it's just too painful for us. Or we like to think that we are so far beyond that we go, man, that's just a different person altogether. But look at the single command in these verses. Remember. 
thought of them. See, some of you in this room, you're on a journey right now with Jesus, or maybe you're new to the faith, or you're checking it out, and you're just starting to understand who is Jesus. What is the gospel? And these pictures are powerful. I'm so glad you're on this journey. These pictures are powerful because this right here, this is the bad news that makes everything we're saying good news. This is the bad news that makes our message so life-giving. We are here to tell you that Jesus Christ, he takes people who are separated and far from God, and he brings them near. He makes strangers and aliens into the family as sons and daughters. We're talking about a guy named Jesus Christ who revealed himself to be God, who gives hope to the hopeless. He makes people with dirty hands and sinful hearts brand new, and he makes us clean, and he makes us close to God. This is the bad news that makes this such good news. And so maybe you're here and you're looking at these pictures and you're like, bro, that is not a photo. That looks like a mirror. This is not my past. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. This is me right now. And friends, if that's you, you are in the right spot. I promise you, you are in the right spot. And I'll tell you why in a few moments. But I just want you to know this for now as we get going. You're not alone. You're not alone. This is our photo album. This is every single one of us. Welcome to East Point Church. This is what we were. Every single one of us in this room was born this way. And so if you're here in this room and you're going, man, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. Welcome to East Point. <laughs> we're all with you. We've all been there. And many of us are still there. And so I want us to look at these pictures. I want us to remember the separation that defined our past. But before we move on, I want to highlight a couple of pictures for you. Because we typically think of our separation as separation from God, right? I used to be separated from God. But notice this. These pictures, they're not only highlighting a separation vertically from God. They're also highlighting a relational separation. Horizontal. Do you see that? He says we were alienated from each other. We were strangers from each other. And so there's a, our, our former life wasn't just a separation this way, there was a separation this way. Me and you, psh, not cool, man. You used to not be cool. There used to be, we used to be at odds and enmity and hostility. And so remember, sitting in the church, as Paul is having this letter read, Jews and Gentiles, a history of conflict, a history of hostility, a history a history of strife and racism and enmity and prejudice. That was their history. But here's the problem this morning. Those things are not just a part of their past. Unfortunately, the relational separation that characterized their life before Jesus is still showing up in the present. And that's why Paul is writing this passage. The disconnection, the hostility, the separation and division that was characteristic of their past. Houston, we have a problem because that is still showing up in the present. And Paul's not going to have any, anything to do with that. We know this because look how they identify each other. He goes, you, one group is called the uncircumcision. That group is calling another group the circumcision. They are identifying each other with these labels. 
They're looking at their fellow Christians in the room, and instead of seeing each other, instead of seeing all that they have in common in Christ, they're still identifying and referring to one another with these labels. Oh yeah, that's the uncircumcision crowd. Yeah, the circumcision crowd, right? They're identifying each other with these labels, friends, that are so superficial, that are so surface, that Paul is like, he almost like interrupts his argument. He goes, come on, come on. You do know that those labels, like, we did those in the doctor's office. Like, like, you know, those things are so not intrinsic to who we are. Like, we literally made those distinctions with our own hands. Like, that's not core to who you are. That's not even in your DNA. That's not your identity. Those are superficial labels that we are identifying each other with. And it just makes you wonder for a moment, what labels do we use to conveniently categorize and address one another? What labels do we have that are so shallow, but we don't realize it because we're too busy building divisions? Have you ever been identified by your ethnicity? Oh yeah, it's the circumcision crowd. Oh yeah, the, the Latinos, the blacks, the whites, the Russians, the Asians, the Germans. What? Have you ever been identified by the amount of money in your bank account? No, that's the rich people. Oh, that's the broke folk. Have you ever tried to identify somebody based on their gender, right, with these broad brushes? Well, you know, men, <laughs> women, am I right? We try to identify people by their choices. You are your successes. You are your failures. You are your education level. Oh, yeah, those people, and we identify them based on their personality. Oh, those people, that's their politics. Oh, yeah, those people, the words, look at their appearances. Oh, that guy, his style. And what Paul is saying is that these labels, these identification markers are so surface, they are so superficial, just like circumcision and uncircumcision. These are like, these are just according to the flesh. Those are not even beginning to scratch the surface of the core of our identity, of who we are in Jesus. And so we need to remember. We need to look at the photo album and remember that that's what we used to do. And so when we see that kind of hostility, that kind of prejudice, that kind of labeling, that kind of division, Paul wants us to remember so that when we see them, we can identify them for what they are. Holdovers from our old way of doing life. Those belong in the past and they have no place in the present. And do you know why they have no place in the present? Do you know why in the family of God those kind of labels and separations, do you know why those just are so irrelevant? Well, let me show you here. Look at the next verse in verse 13. But now, let's say it all together. First two words, ready? But now, aha, every great story has a but now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. And so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. 
You see, friends, the reason why that level of distancing and division doesn't have a place anymore is because Jesus has brought near the fallen. Jesus has brought together the divided and the separated. And so again, let's go back to you know, 2,000 years ago. The letter is being read, and in the church, you can feel the tension. You can feel the iciness in the room. Like, if you're like me and you hate awkward elephants in the room, you would leave that church in a heartbeat. Because you walk in, you're like, no, 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 no. I want nothing to do with that, right? Like, you got two groups of people. They're probably sitting on opposite sides of the room. They probably use different bathrooms. They're, like, looking across the room, snickering. up. circumcision. <laughs> It's awkward. Awkward. They go to different restaurants after church for lunch. They got different community groups, different text lines. I mean, it is awkward. And so Paul, good old Paul, man, he loves to slay some elephants, right? He's like, we're going to talk about that awkward elephant. Right? My apologies to the PETA people. I don't mean, this is a metaphor. No elephants have been harmed in the making of this sermon, okay? They're beautiful God's creatures. And so Paul, he's going to slay some of this awkwardness. And so what he does is, first he turns his attention to the Gentiles. And so for my illustration, you guys are the Gentiles this morning, a little uncircumcised. And so he looks to the Gentiles in the room, and he says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to remember that you who once were far off, you who used to be outsiders, you who used to be strangers and aliens, I want you to remember that you have now been brought near. Gentiles, you need to realize that when Jesus spilled his blood, when he died on the cross, he made one person. There's no longer two. He's made us both one. And so the Gentiles, they're over here on their side of the church, and they stop mid-bite of their euros. You know what I mean? You may call them gyros. You're wrong. And they're like mid-bite of their Greek euros. And they're like, huh? And he has their attention. And he's going to give them, he has the momentum, and so he's going to give them a word picture. And they're like, one, he goes, yep, and he gives him a word picture. He refers to the dividing wall. Do you guys know what the dividing wall is? It's not the partition in your studio apartment that makes it feel like you have more room. No, the dividing wall was a thing in the temple. So imagine in the temple where people would go to worship, anybody was welcome onto the campus, so to speak, okay? Greek and Jew, they're all welcome. Come onto the campus. And so everyone would come onto the campus, and then they would stop because there was a wall. You were allowed onto the campus, but unless you were a Jew, you were not allowed past that wall. Think about this. You come to East Point, you're not allowed in past the lobby. And so the Gentiles, even the most zealous, even those who were most hungry for God, even those who were like, man, I just want to know God, they'd come in and they'd see that wall. And it was a physical reminder. You're an outsider. No further. You are not good enough. You are not welcome. Stay out. Stay in the lobby. Stay in the lobby. And so every Gentile, when they hear the dividing wall, they feel that twinkling, freaking dividing wall, you know? And Paul says to them, he goes, what Jesus did on the cross, it says he, he abolished, he took a wrecking ball to the division between us as if he literally knocked down that wall. Like imagine a wrecking ball going through the temple and destroying that wall. And every Gentile is like, that would be crazy. And Paul says, that's what happened. You're no longer an outsider. He broke down the wall. He demolished the separation. There's no need for a wall because in Jesus, there are no longer two different groups of people. 
stay out unless you're this. Those things don't matter anymore. He has made us both one. Gentiles. He's made us one. So now he comes over here, right? And so he's going to catch our boys, the Jews, and they're in the middle of their hummus sandwiches, right? And he says, not so fast. I got something for you now. And look what he says to them. He says, how did he break down the dividing wall? By abolishing the law of commandments. And they all just choked. Choked on their sandwich. And they said, you said what about our law? Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he did. He said what about our commandments? So you got to understand the Jews, right? The, the law and the commandments, those were a gift to Israel. Those were a gift to the people of God because that's how they would relate to God. More so, that was their gift. They were supposed to shine their light so that the world could see what God was like as they obeyed the commandments. You can say it this way in Genesis 12, right? God gave the law to Israel to bless the world, all right? Here's the problem. The very law, the very commandments that were meant to introduce the world to God, in their arrogance, it became a way of keeping the world from God. You see? The very commandments that should have created a posture that said, I want to reach out to the world, instead, their way of relating to God caused them not to reach out, but to keep out. The arrogance. We have the commandments. We kind of have the corner on the market of God. So, you know, uh, stay out. Stay on your side of the wall. You see how it's twisted? Not, it makes you pause and wonder, is there anything that we do about our way of relating to God that instead of causing us to reach out, is causing us to keep out? Lord, save us from spiritual arrogance, right? And so Paul, he looks to their arrogance and he goes, God fixed that real quick. Those very commandments, that very way of relating to God that you thought you had the corner on the market of God, he has abolished those. It is no longer through those means that people can come to God. It is now only through the cross. We are all reconciled. Now, both groups of people are reconciled to God, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, black or white. It doesn't matter. Everybody comes to God now through the cross. So he looks at both groups in this room. Those of you who were far off. Those of you who were near. Notice, past tense, Jews, you were nearer, right? Those of you who were those things. One word for you. No more division. No more superficial labels. No more hostility. Now there is only peace. 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 Fellow followers of Jesus in this room, look at me, we're at peace. Not because we're super woke, not because we're really mature, not because we're really educated. We are at peace because he himself is our peace. He is our peace. He has accomplished what no society has been able to accomplish on their own in any human history. You can't educate racism out of people. You can't dictate and lawmake and create policies that will cause people to be more kind and less prejudiced. You can't penalize people enough to get over themselves. Only God can do that by giving us new hearts. God has severed the root of racism. He has severed the root of prejudice. He has severed, he has broken down the hostility. Not because we're awesome, but because he is and his spirit lives inside of us. 
The ground is level at the cross, friends. Look what he says in Galatians 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Welcome to church. Where do the Jews sit? Welcome to church. Where do the Gentiles sit? Welcome to church. Where do the rich people sit? Welcome to church. Where do the black people No! You're one in Christ. In Christ. And because we're in Christ, friends, me and you, oh boy, we are something special. Because me and you are both in Christ, we are something special. Look at the last verse. Look what he calls us. For through him, Jesus, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints. You are fellow members of the household of God. My final point this morning, friends, is that life with the Father is lived with his family. Life with the Father is lived with his family. We used to be outsiders, but now we both have access. We're no longer separated from God. We're no longer separated from each other. These are in our past. And so in our present now, we are fellow citizens of the same kingdom. We are fellow members of the same household. Pop quiz. What do we call people who belong to the same household? Family. Family. Like Olive Garden, friends, when you're here, woo, you're family. Start serving breadsticks for communion. Come on now. Here's our final picture of the church, friend. The church is a bride. The church is a field. The church is a building. The church is a temple. The church is a, all these things. Final picture for you. The church, friends, is a family. Church is a family. We used to be separated. We used to be strangers. We used to divide one another. Remember? We used to divide one another on these superficial labels and distinctions. We used to be strangers at odds. But friends, I'm here to tell you the good news. That Jesus turns strangers into siblings. That is the powerful exclamation and illustration of the church. When people come into this room, they should see people getting along that out there have no business getting along. They should see people in community group, people having communion together, people in fellowship, people praying with one another, people watching each other as kids where they go, whoa, 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 in the world that is weird. That is unnatural. And we say, yes, it is unnatural. We call it supernatural. Because we are only a family because Jesus has done this for us. Friends, if God is your father, and he's my father, that makes us siblings. Jesus turns strangers into siblings. And so here's how I'm going to call us to respond this morning. We have two things, two primary things that I want you to respond. The first one, friends, is to do what we've been talking about. you got to remember. You cannot forget where you've come from, okay? So we got to sing about this. Daniel, we'll sing about this, okay? We gotta sing about this. We have to pray about this. We have to remind each other in community groups. We have to write this on our walls. We have to have physical pictures. We must remember where we've come from so that when we see the old ways of relating, we would remember, ooh, wait a minute. That's the old way. That's the old way. God united us, and so we pursue unity. 
Jesus brought us together, so we should be a place of togetherness. Jesus destroyed hostility and division, and so can we be a church that is allergic to those things? He's our peace. And so we embrace and embody peace. First response, friends, remember. So I'm going to give you some homework. I want you this week to go out to coffee or lunch or mom, kid date, whatever you do. Just get with someone. And here's your homework assignment. Share your story. Well, I haven't shared my story in ages. I've been a Christian for as long as I remember. Don't forget. So that's your challenge. I want you to get together with someone who doesn't already know your story and share it with them. And so we've been in community group for about eight weeks here, nine weeks, and you haven't shared your story yet. It's time. It's time. All right? Coffee. On them this week, all right? On them. And then you both get there. And like, he said it was on you. He told me the same thing. Remember. And then here's the second way I'm going to call you to respond, okay? And this is powerful because in the text, he says... At one time, but now. At one time, but now. Friends, many of us in this room, we can look back on that season of life and we remember when the at one time became the but now. Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like when those pictures went from being your present and they transitioned to being your past and you knew what it was like to be hope? You knew what it was like to be in the family of God. Do you remember at one time, but now? And there are some of you in this room who you haven't experienced the but now. Maybe you're still there, you're not with Jesus. You don't know what it's like to be in his family yet. You're not living in the promises. You're still in this, I'm having no hope and without God in the world. When will you experience the but now? And here's my simple question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care what your failures are. I don't care what your successes are. I don't care what your sin has been. I don't care what your story is. In Jesus, we all are reconciled to God in the same way. It's through the cross. Jesus, the perfect child of God, he died in your place so that you can experience life as a child of God. And all of those labels that used to identify you, or maybe still do, those fall away and evaporate because the only name, the only label, the only identity that matters is what Jesus calls you now. You're his son. You're his daughter. What are you waiting for? So if you believe that Jesus, what he did, is enough. If you believe, if you dare to believe that God really is so merciful and he really is so gracious that he would forgive you and bring you into his family, if you truly believe that, if you truly want to be in the family and follow him, the Bible has a very special word for that. It's called faith. You believe. And Jesus says, if you have faith, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Build your life after me. Let me be Lord of your life. And so if you're here this morning and that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I'm just going to invite you. You can pray this prayer in your heart and in your mind. As I pray, pray with me. Let's pray. Father, I'm praying right now on behalf of my friends in this room who are looking at this bookshelf and saying, that's not my past. That is my present. And so, Father, we admit that we are these things, God. We have no illusions as to our own inherent goodness. We admit, God, we are these things. We admit them humbly. We 
for you. But Lord, we also just dare to believe that you love us anyway. We dare to believe that Jesus' work on the cross is enough to bring me here. We believe you, Lord. Please give me your grace and bring me into your family. And Lord, we just say boldly, we will follow you. We surrender control of our life. We will build our life on you, not on us. So save us, Lord. Turn us from strangers into siblings. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, um, welcome to the family. I mean, if you prayed that prayer in faith, the Bible says that he sees our faith and he grants it to us as righteousness and he saves us. And so here's what I want you to do. If you're in that season of life and you're praying that way, you need to tell someone. You need to tell someone. And this time, it really is on them for coffee, okay? Tell someone. Tell me. Tell somebody in the lobby. Come and say, hey, I think I'm at the butt now. Let's use that. Let's do East Point language. Hey, uh, go down East Point Street, turn left on Talbot, and I think I'm going to be at the butt now. I'm at that intersection, all right? If you're at the butt now, tell someone, okay? And I also want you to get baptized. It's time. If you, are, if you have faith, go public with your faith. If you're truly following Jesus, tell the world. Go public through baptism. Maybe when that person you tell that you're starting to believe, ask them, hey, would you be willing to like read the Bible with me like once a week? Can we get together and just like, you're older, you've been, I mean, that's been your past way longer than me. It's been my past for like 30 seconds. Can you teach me? Boom! That's how the church is supposed to work. And here's the last call to action, okay? If you're a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, yes, you're going to go public with your faith, but right now, we're going to partake in what's called a family meal, okay? So we, every, every time we get together, as often as we can, we take communion as a reminder that we are in the family. So if you're not a Christian, if you're still on that journey and you're not there yet, don't partake in this. You're welcome to just sit with us and pray. This is a family meal, all right? And so you're, you're here. You're welcome here. You belong here, okay? This is a family meal for a moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up our elements. Does anybody have different bread than me? Nope, same bread. Same body of Christ. Does anybody have a different flavor juice than me? Nope, same blood. Same cup. There's only one way to God, and it's through his son, Jesus Christ, who turns strangers into siblings. Let's partake together. Father, we thank you for this family meal. That reminds us we are in the family. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember where we've come from so that we can continue to progress toward where you're bringing us. Continue to save us, Lord. And Father, for my friends that are at the butt down intersection, for my friends, Lord, that are putting their faith in you, that maybe they're even just realizing for the first time, I really do believe. Save them, Lord. Give them your Holy Spirit. Move into their hearts. In, uh, integrate them into the family of God so that they can grow and become more like you, Lord. And start getting ready for the wedding day that we'll see. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this church in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with us and we're going to respond to you singing. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it.
It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.